0: You're listening to The Process Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Robinson, and my goal is to bring you meaningful, applicable, and interesting information from successful college students. The tips, tricks, and habits revealed by these young adults will help you learn to bring your life to the next level. So without further ado, let's get started. I just know we getting closer, 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 closer. I just know we're getting closer, 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 closer than I ever.
1: I used to dream about showing the world what I dream about. a mic my whole life I thought be the
0: If I were the last person on earth, would I still do it? You're listening to episode 9 and I'm proud to say I have somewhat of a role model to talk to today, Jay Azeltine. At the age of 16, Jay chose to immerse himself in the gritty, tough, and extreme culture of Old School Gym, which is owned by fitness giant Corey Gregory. Since then, Corey has taught Jay lessons in fitness, business, and in life. My guest today displays an extremely clear vision and drive every day starting when he wakes up, sometimes as early as 2.45 a.m. Five years ago, Jay began working for the sports nutrition and supplement company Muscle Farm. After three years there, he was laid off and chose to drop out of college simultaneously. Since then, he has started his own one-on-one online fitness coaching company. In just six months of working for himself, he can claim a full-time income, and international clients. He has also made some money in real estate investing, but plans to get much more involved in it within the next few years. In addition to providing wisdom and motivation on a daily basis for his social media followers, Jay can say that he has eaten breakfast and hung out with a man you may all know, Arnold Schwarzenegger. What's going on, Jay?
1: What's up, brother? You made me sound pretty awesome
0: there. Yeah, you know, I do my best. I do my best. (laughs) I love it. Um, So can you talk a little bit about that opening quote that you provided and what it means to you?
1: Yeah, man. So it's from a book. Titled the War of Art. So if you follow me on Snapchat, any kind of social media platforms, you see me post about it all the time. It's hands down my favorite book. It's a total game changer, um, I would say, for 99% of people that read it. And that's the funny thing about books, right, is that one book that, that has a huge effect on me might not have an effect on you, but it seems to be one of those books that across the board I have. That's one of the cool things about having some sort of social media following is that I have the ability to, to have people, uh, influence people with the regards to what they read. You know what I mean? So. The feedback I get from people on the book is unreal. But what does the quote mean to me? Um, I have a really personal experience with the quote. So uh, rewinding after the whole muscle farm debacle thing, uh, we got laid off there. Very corporate type deal. And I went into real estate right off the bat as a real estate agent. And uh, I think I've been an agent for two or three months. And I was reading that book for the second time actually. But um, that's a funny thing too is books apply to your life differently at different times of your life. And I was reading the book and I came across that excerpt if you were the last person on earth or however it goes, would you still do it? And, uh, and it can apply to a lot of different areas of life. I right? can apply to a daily basis where it's like, you know what I mean? Like, am I, I'm, and why am I doing this right now during the day? But it's more so like grand scale and it's meant to be taken with a grain of salt, I think. But how I applied it was, okay, if I was the last person on earth, would I be doing real estate? You know what I mean? Like, would I be, Trying to sell houses, and, uh, and I was like, "Well, fuck no, I wouldn't be trying to sell houses." And, and also, the reason I got into real estate as an agent right off the bat after Muscle Farm was because that was going to be an intro into the industry, and then I was going to get just balls deep into real estate investing. Um, but I was like, "Man, even even the real estate investing, I'm not going to be trying to flip houses. So I'm the last person on earth." So I'm like, "All right, what would I be still doing if I was the only person on earth?" And you could it could be the question of if you're on a stranded island or if you're the last person on earth, but I was like, man, the one thing I would still be doing would be lifting weights, right? Like I lift weights to impress people, but that's not the only reason I lift weights, right? Like everyone that's in the gym, it's it's part of an ego thing. It's anyone that's been in the gym knows that. Um, It's like to fill a little void in your ego, but I I go to the gym because I love it though. Number one, that's the biggest reason I go to the gym. And I was like, okay, well, you know what I mean? Like that, that's the one thing I'm going to be doing. So where do I go from here? So just the wheel started turning and I had been one foot in, one foot out and kind of building my brand and doing what I'm doing now for a long time. Not necessarily thinking about doing the one-on-one stuff, but trying to build up my social media because I've been around Corey for five, six, I think about five years at that point. And uh, I knew the game, you know what I mean? I've seen him do all the different stuff and I knew I could do it, especially with the platform I had being so closely associated with Corey. You know what I mean like I had already built up a little bit of a following just from – being so closely um, knitted with him at Muscle Farm and, and whatnot, but I'd never really gone all in on the um, on the branding stuff and building my own fitness brand and, and all that good stuff. So I was like, all right, I kind of pondered it. And I think it was I think it was that day actually. I remember it really clearly. I think it was that day. It was a Saturday. It was weird, man. Everything became extremely clear for me. Like my vision, like everything came together. I knew exactly what I needed to do, what I wanted to do. I remember I went out, you know what I mean, I bought a uh, tripod and that Monday, like I started getting at it. And the biggest thing that held me back from originally doing that was the fear of being on camera, which is funny because I've always been a super anxious person. I never liked being on camera. I never liked being on the phone in front of people, like super weird about all that kind of stuff. Never like being uh, the one in front of the class. You know what I mean? Like speaking up in front of the class, never. I would never fucking do that. So that was the thing that held me back. But I was like, it was, it was so clear in my head that I was like, nothing's going to stop me. You know what I mean? So I went out, I got the tripod and uh, yeah, from that day forward, I haven't—you know what I mean? Like I haven't looked back. Like I, I went all in on it. And then I think about a month after, a month after uh, actually starting to, to do the branding stuff, Zach Hummel was the one that recommended, like, bro, you should start—you um, should start offering one-on-one coaching programs. And I was like, well, because I knew he had done it for a while, I knew there was a ton of money because he had been crushing it. Because he actually got laid off from Muscle Farm too. And uh, I was like, all right, well, I'll throw a post out. I remember I threw a post out on a Sunday night, I think it was probably a couple weeks after I started branding myself, and I started to get clients right away, but uh, I know I ran it a little bit there, but basically, the long story short, that that quote's totally changed my life forever.
0: Awesome, yeah. I know, uh, at least in this day and age, people are really determined to find what makes them happy and what they're passionate about and do it as their job. Well,
1: in today's society, man, it's possible to do it's possible to monetize anything. With the internet, with social media, you really can almost monetize pretty much anything. So obviously, at the end of the day, there's still going to need to be people that do jobs that they don't necessarily want to do. But as time goes on, as we have uh, the systems to do stuff, to, to do the mindless jobs, you know what I mean, like the factory stuff, there's going to be more creative jobs and more stuff that you want to do. And it's like, why do shit you don't want to do if you're able to go out and monetize what you love?
0: Yeah, and it's been more or less a change in, I feel like, mindset because our parents, in my opinion, our parents kind of were more worried about what puts food on the table, what's going to put my kids through school, and their happiness kind of took a back seat. And I can understand sacrificing a lot of things for your kids once you have them just to make their lives better, but in terms of doing what you love to do for money, you should probably go after that and worry about yourself before you have kids
1: yeah and that's the benefit of you know, a lot of the people listen to this are younger and you're in college so you don't have those responsibilities yet so now's the time to figure out what you want to do and then do it you know what i mean like when i was younger i always thought it was about the money which it i'm money's a massive driver for me uh i want because money allows you to, to do a lot of cool things like my biggest thing is travel the world throughout my whole life like pretty much non-stop which you need money for that for the most part uh but yeah, I didn't realize it was all about chasing your passion. Though at the end of the day, like it, it's all about like it's not about how much money you make. Like Gary V, we'll talk about him down another question you got. But Gary V says he's got this quote: it says uh, it's not about how much money you make; it's about how you make your money. Which for me, I didn't realize when I was younger how true that is. But now that I that I'm in, you know what I mean, the field that I love, and and I mean fitness is is I mean working out's basically my nine to five now. Um, yeah, it, it makes sense.
0: Yeah, and that aligns directly with the. The quote that you put out there. So let's back it up a little bit. I'm not sure many of my listeners know who Corey Gregory is or what he's done or how he's influenced you. Can you go into that a little bit?
1: Yeah. So he uh, he's one of the most well known. I would say fitness icons. Uh, he uh, kind of blew up when he started a company called Muscle Farm, which I'm sure a lot of people have heard of or anything in fitness. Like if they do anything in fitness, they work out. Uh, Muscle Farm was this rapidly growing company. They went from I think and within like five to eight years or something like that, or even like it was probably closer to five. They went from like doing a hundred thousand dollars in sales to doing like $150 million in sales. And Corey was the co-founder with a guy named Brad Pyatt. Uh, he really blew up on that. He, he, with the social media stuff, it was, it was, it was early on when social media was starting to become popular and, uh, his Twitter blew up. He got up to like half a million followers or something crazy. And, um, and, uh, yeah, man, he just, he just grew and grew and grew. And now he's, like I said, one of the most well-known fitness icons. But, uh, yeah, he's for me like a, a father figure. Um, I have a great dad, but he, I mean, like a second, secondary father figure for me. Uh, he's like a brother, um, a really good friend. Uh, like you said, he's taught me a ton within the gym, of course, like everything I know in regards to training and, and nutrition. A lot of it comes from him and in uh, real life experience, uh, but also business-wise too. You know what I mean? Like I've watched, I watched, I worked when I was at Muscle Farm, my, my desk was like five feet from his. so. I learned a ton just about the day-to-day stuff at Muscle Farm, but also watching him, this is the most applicable, I would say, is watching him grow his brand on social media and and all the content that it requires, just a daily, you know what I mean, it's a a job on a daily basis producing content, and that gave me a huge leg up when I decided to build my brand, because I knew the ins and outs of of building a social media platform.
0: Yeah, Corey obviously has done a ton social media-wise, but he's also started his own business and has, I think he's a co-founder of Old School Gym, is that right?
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So Old School Jim, uh, that was where I originally met him at. And uh, when I first went there about seven years ago, it wasn't nearly as well known as it is now. It's, it's world renowned now when people come into town for the Arnold Classic, which a couple hundred thousand people come into town for that. All the, A lot of the big names go to, to Old School to train. And, and it's, it's like I said, it's, it's a brand of its own now. But yeah, he's a co-founder of Old School with a guy named Dustin Myers, which I'm really close with as well. Uh, but yeah, it's crazy to see like how much the gym has grown in the last five, six years because when I first started going there, like I said, it was a hole in the wall. It was early on when Corey started Muscle Farm. That was really nothing at that point. No one really knew who Corey was. Like, he had like eight or 9,000 followers on Twitter when I met him. And I was like, holy shit, this guy's famous. Little did I know what it was going to turn into. Uh, yeah, and, and now though, like I said, man, Old School is massive. It's a brand of its own. People come from all over the world to come train with us at Old School.
0: Yeah, so you went into how Corey influenced you. How has the culture at old school influenced you? Because from my knowledge, it's really, it is old school. Like it's yeah, it's crazy. based upon, you know, old school bodybuilding techniques. It's not in any type of way a luxury gym. It's pretty, I guess, dingy. You could probably use a word. Mm-hmm. And yeah, how has that changed you? How has being around those type of people changed you?
1: Yeah, it definitely give me a lot more of a hardcore mindset. Uh, I mean, I've always kind of had that, I guess you could say my dad's uh, owned a, a business, so life where he builds houses and I would go out and help them. You know what I mean? And do that kind of, uh, kind of gritty work. But yeah, the gym's definitely changed my mindset in that regard. It's, it's not a glow gym. It's the total opposite. If you go online and look at some pictures, you can just search it on Google. Um, real grimy, looks like a hole in the wall. It's like a former, used to be like a, a car repair place. And, uh, yeah there's there's leaks in the fucking roof when it rains it, the water comes through um none of the machines are new there a lot of them are old um and yeah man it's it's just the the people in there i remember when i first started going and training there i was like 16 and i didn't know anything about fitness there were these guys these power lifters from west side barbell lifting like benching like 800 900 pounds you know what I mean like just freaks so and it's not just a bodybuilding gym either it is a lot of classic bodybuilders there but uh there's powerlifters there there's there's guys that do boxing, um, there's CrossFit guys there, Olympic lifting guys there. Dustin, um, the other co-founder, he does a lot of like sports-type training, so he trains all the high-state wrestlers um, and a lot of the Olympic guys from Columbus, so he does a lot of that type of training, like MMA-type wrestling training. So there's, there's stuff across the board, so it's cool. You get a nice uh, blend of, of different types of training.
0: Yeah, when you hear about Old School Gym, one of the biggest things that I know about is you know the at first it was the 5 a.m crew and now it's the 4 a.m crew um guys show up to this gym at 3 30 in the morning to start lifting to start their workout why why is that why do people do that because
1: of Corey, for the most part uh i mean that's the reason why people come but now it's to the point though where it's like we got a solid i don't know 15 to 30 guys on a daily basis and we really just push each other. You know what I mean? Like we're all accountable to each other. But it, it started with Corey, though. You know what I mean? Like that—that's why it started. A lot of people started coming because of Corey. Um, so he was the root of of why it is what it is now. But now it's kind of like self-sustaining. You know what I mean? Like, like I said, we're all we all keep each other accountable, and, and we all expect each other to show up. Um, so it's it's gotten to the point where it's self-sustainable. But yeah, it started because of Corey, though. People, you know what I mean? Want to come train with Corey, and 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 that's that's kind of the the beginning of it. I would say more to it, though. You know what I mean? Like uh, it's really hard to explain. It's less. It's, it's a lot more than just coming in and, and lifting weights. It's like there's so many more things that go with. It. A lot of the guys that I've seen come in and start training at 4 a.m., 5 a.m., whatever it may be, uh, they just totally change mentally too. You know what I mean? Like their, their outlook changes, the books they read change, their the personal development they, they dive into changes. So it, it's more than just coming in and lifting weights for sure.
0: Why do you think waking up super early does that to you? And you use the phrase, I think, top-loading your day or end-loading your day front-loading yeah why why is that effective for you what has that done for you
1: yeah for me i'm extremely momentum based so getting started early in the day like that of course is going to be beneficial for me because when you go in you crush a workout when let's start you get out of bed and you don't want to get out of bed you know what i mean i usually get up at like 245 um often i don't want to get out of bed you know so once you once you win that battle you get out of bed you go to the gym May not feel like working out every day. You crush a workout, um, and then you leave the gym. You've got so much momentum going that it kind of just carries you throughout the day. And uh, plus, too, you have a lot more time, you know, especially if uh, if you're someone that works a nine-to-five job. You're gonna have a lot more time after your workout before work, or in the evening, because a lot of people usually work out in the evening if uh, they have a job throughout the day. So they got all that time in the evening to do personal development. Or for me, you know what I mean? After I get home in the, from the gym in the morning, I got a lot more time before I hop into my work if I want to do some reading or some writing or whatever it may be but for me the biggest thing is is the momentum it, it gets going um which i have to have for the most part like days i don't train i used to be it used to be a lot harder for me it's not as, as difficult now in the past when i wouldn't train it was like a rest day i had such a hard time starting my day and i wouldn't get nearly as much done throughout the day just because i didn't have the momentum
0: so you seem to treat you know getting up going to the gym kind of like small wins which mm-hmm. is that is that what momentum is for you
1: yeah, I mean that's what life's all about is just small wins. It's the compound effect of, of small wins across years and years and years.
0: Right. And when you think of momentum, do you do you gain confidence throughout the day or how does that affect you? What what is momentum mm-hmm. to you?
1: Yeah, positive momentum is confidence, you know, like you feel start to feel real good about yourself and your brain starts working better and, and, and more creative and all these stuff starts coming to you and you're in a better mood and I mean everyone's experienced that, man. Everyone knows kind of what positive momentum is even if they never put their finger on it it's you know what i mean when you when you start getting rolling on a diet you know like the first couple of days are hard as fuck but once you get it going you can feel the positive momentum carrying you or if you've ever worked out in the morning or really anytime you didn't feel like it, you get done with that workout you know what i mean you feel great because you got some momentum going um uh, with all my clients i talk about uh weight loss and, and and nutrition being a game of momentum just like life is you got to get the wheels turning uh i use the analogy of Trying to push a train, you know. So when you're trying to push a train, let's say there's five people trying to push a train to get it started, it's hard as fuck to get it moving. But once you get it moving, once you get the positive momentum going, it'll run through a brick wall. So you just got to get things moving, and then once you get them moving, then you're you're good. And that's the same thing with each day. Like there's grand scale momentum, big, large scale momentum, and small scale momentum. So the small scales, but you got to get going each day. It restarts every morning. So you wake up out of bed, no matter how great the day was before you got to totally restart, you know what I mean, which could be a good thing or a bad thing. So it's like, it kind of just sets you up for success when you go to the gym first thing in the morning because the momentum just gets rolling again.
0: Yeah, um, I definitely agree with that. It's fun when you can kind of track, uh, I guess, progress throughout your day when you feel yeah. like you, you made the right decision you know, over and over and over again mm. throughout your day. Um, switching gears a little bit, you said there's a lot of guys who train for a lot of different things at old school, um, but you personally seem to train for bodybuilding. Um, and a lot of people, I think, don't really recognize the discipline and kind of grind of going into bodybuilding because you have to eat certain foods, you have to um, you know basically take a look at your body in um, a process oriented type of way where, Oh, hey, maybe I need to make my back a little bigger, or I need to work on my my forearms or my calves or something to even out my body. Um, what has it been like training for a bodybuilding show? What is it like going through you know thirteen week cuts where mm. you're at a caloric deficit for you know weeks and weeks in a row? How does that feel, and what does that do to you mentally and physically?
1: Yeah, it's it's hard as fuck. Uh, I've gone through like this is my fifth or sixth potentially because i'm four weeks out from doing some photo shoots right now um out in california but yeah man it's really hard Uh, a lot of people don't realize how difficult it is i remember the first one i ever went through was like i think 10 weeks of of going without any processed food or any cheat meals like and i'm very structured like once i go all i'm a very all in person or not in at all so i gotta go all in on something and, and and not waver at all mentally so like once I start something, I don't a diet for, ex, for example, in specific, I don't I don't do any kind of cheat meals. Usually, once I get it started, so the first one I ever did was ten weeks long of, of zero cheat meals, being one hundred percent scheduled out and structured. Well, meal one's at you know what I mean, like let's say eight o'clock. Meal two at twelve. Meal three, five. Meal four, eight o'clock. And it's like it's like military basically, military scheduling and structure. And uh, the first one really wore me out, man. By the time I got done, I was so, I craved junk food so hard because when I was younger. I eat junk food pretty much all the time. Like that was my diet was just all processed crap, like McDonald's, pizza, snacks, you know what I mean? All all day, every day. I've made it, I've done it pretty much 180. But so that first cut though was extremely difficult for me, you know what I mean? Because I'd come from just kind of eating whatever and, and I wasn't nearly as bad going into it. I didn't eat junk food all the time, but I still ate a lot of junk food. And I remember... I was just, you know what I mean, like, especially the first one or two, you'll hear people all all the time that do bodybuilding shows, they don't realize how hard it is on you mentally, and and, uh, you just crave so much junk food, like, the entire time, like, shit, you don't even like, you start craving, and uh, and it's like, all you think about is this food, you know what I mean, because you just want to, you don't want to be structured anymore, you don't want to be disciplined at all times, and and you want to be able to eat cheat meals, and uh, by the time I got done, like I just wanted to eat junk food so bad and, and I didn't realize what it was going to do to my body. So I just ate junk food for like a week straight coming off this diet where – you know what I mean? Like I was dehydrated going to the shoot, or – yeah, cause the first one I did was for a shoot, and you have to do water cut and your, your joints get all dry, your body gets all dry. So you look as tight as possible. Your carb depleted. And I just started eating – you know what I mean? Carb after carb after carb of just junk food for like a couple weeks straight. I think I bloated up. I gained probably – 20, 30 pounds in like a couple of days, my face was all bloating I me. Mean, I was miserable, but I, I literally, I was that miserable, but I couldn't stop eating all that junk food. It's like I developed like a binge eating disorder for a solid, like, I don't know a couple, I don't even know how long it was, a couple months, maybe a month or more. And then it took me a while to, to kind of get through that. Um, and each time I've done it though, it's gotten easier. Um, it's it's at the point now to where I don't even really eat cheap meals between, uh, and during my bulks, like, a lot of people, that's all they eat, it's, is crap during their bulks. They do um, dirty bulks. And for me, I do a pretty clean bulk. Um, like this past, so my, my show was in April, this past April, I did a show, April 15th. And I didn't start this diet that I'm on now until about five weeks ago. So I had a solid three, three and a half months. And I probably had like five cheat meals total within that period of time. So that four months, I probably had five cheat meals. And the rest of it was just all clean food, a lot of sweet potatoes. I'm huge on sweet potatoes. Uh, but I really don't even have the cravings anymore. So I'm, I don't know, six weeks, seven weeks into this diet now. And, uh, I got four weeks to go. I haven't had a single cheat meal since I started it and really don't have any cravings. I mean, I, I crave pizza cause I haven't had pizza, but pizza is my hands down my favorite food. The last time I had pizza was January 1st. Uh, I remember the day specifically cause it was, it was the last cheat meal I had before I started my cut for my show, which that was a 15 week cut. So the show, the prep for the show was 15 weeks and I didn't have one single cheat meal during that 15 weeks. Uh, I got wings once cause I went and um got drunk at a at, at OU Athens and uh I had like you know what I mean like a couple of wings it wasn't like I overdid it um but yeah 15 weeks of basically no cheat meals and uh it, I mean it really wasn't that bad by the end I didn't really have the cravings just cuz I it was my fourth or fifth time doing it and like I said now this the fifth or sixth one I'm on now I really don't have the cravings and uh yeah I don't really have an issue with it but it, it's really difficult though it's just so it's, for example when you're prepping for a show so much work goes into it. I made a couple posts on, I had a client that did a show last weekend and on top of your normal training when you're, when you're going towards a show, which which my training is usually an hour, hour and a half long every day, you got your cardio or what we do is lunges. bodyweight lunges for cardio. We don't fuck with treadmills or running or anything. We basically just do all lunges for our cardio. You got, you know what I mean? 15 to 30 minutes of lunges almost every day on top of your normal training. Um, you got posing practice. So 15 to 45 minutes a day on posing practice, um, then you get your mobility work because mobility is extremely important for the posing stuff. So you can get in the correct poses. So mobility for my last show, I'll spend an, man, I'll spend an hour, hour and a half, sometimes two hours a day on mobility. Uh, and, uh, that's all on top of, like you said, being usually at a caloric deficit and, and, uh, your body's kind of worn out and beat down. So like, I mean, it's a lot of fucking work on a daily basis, but it's cool though. Cause when you have the date on the calendar, all of that, you, you have your sights set on, like I said, my date was April 15th for my show everything you do is in is in uh, preparation for April 15th it's cool you want to you want to be the best you can physically mentally be for that date on the calendar so it, it's it's cool i love the process it's like i had it described in a terrible way like it made it sound terrible but i love it in a weird way i love the self deprivation in a weird way of, of having to pride myself of the foods and and having to do all the work uh, but it's not for everybody though it's it's a lot harder than people think
0: yeah well it makes a lot of sense you described yourself as a momentum-based person, and to you, momentum is small wins. And what it sounds like to me is bodybuilding and prepping for a show in terms of, it's a ton of small wins. It's eating the right meal and then doing mobility, practicing posing, like you said, lifting weights. So right there is what you could call four small wins. And if you want to break down your meals into smaller wins, then Mm that's all momentum and so it's not that surprising that you like it as much as you do yeah despite the fact that it is brutal mentally and physically from the way that you described it yeah Um, for sure one question I had while you were speaking is you do nutrition plans for your clients and you obviously have probably experienced or um, experimented with nutrition on yourself Um, Do you use the whole anabolic fasting thing that Corey promotes, or do you do your own thing? And if not, why do you do your own thing?
1: Yeah, so I did anabolic fasting. I was one. I I pretty much started anabolic fasting with Corey. It was like a few months after he had started doing it. I kind of, uh, you know, I mean, Uh, helped him kind of create it and kind of experiment. Uh, So I did it for, I think, a solid twelve to sixteen months. I used it um, with kind of variations for my show. Um, I would do it with, like I said, slight variations and whatnot. And I'm not doing it now mainly because the fasting doesn't doesn't work well for me. The 16-hour fasting, especially when I'm as lean as I am now excuse me, um, isn't, isn't ideal. My blood sugar gets all jacked up and I get really on edge and uh, I get really hungry and my metabolism just gets so fast. So for me, the fasting isn't ideal, but I still stick to a lot of the same principles um, of uh, mainly fats, proteins and whatnot. And I won't get too far into the diet because if you're interested, go to CoreyGFitness.com. But it works well for a lot of people, man. The the normal person that works great for because it it's not a lot of meals. It's easy for a person that works a nine to five job. The results uh, for 99% of people are fucking fantastic. For me though, the biggest thing on top of not not really being able to do the fasting every day is I like to experiment. I'm huge on experimentation and trying new things and, and trial and error. And I think it's big too being a, a nutrition coach. You know what I mean? It's it's, it's important to try different things because uh, there isn't one one diet across the board necessarily that works for everybody. Like it's going to take um, a lot of experimentation and tweaks to figure out what works for you. Um, some people, for example, may do really well with high carbs, um, whereas Another person may do terrible with high carbs, and uh, they feel like crap, they can't lose weight, they gain weight, and they need really high fats, high proteins, and really minimal carbs, so like no carbs. So there's not one thing necessarily across the board that works for everybody. That's the crazy thing with dieting is that there is no, there's no black and white answer. So if you hear someone say, you know what I mean, like there's one thing that works for everybody, it's, it's, it's tough to, to trust that. Um, but again, I would say for a lot of people, animal fasting does work really, really well for and It's really easy to stick to. It's it, There's no macro counting. We're really big on that. Um, is we don't, we don't do any kind of macro counting or weigh in our food out. It's all approximately based everything on how you feel and, and whatnot. But yeah, if you're interested and you need a diet plan and, and if you're looking for something personalized, hit me up for the one on one coaching. But if you're looking for something general, um, something very minimally based, uh, expense wise, check out the anabolic fasting on course, It's legit.
0: For being such a structured person. Um, you surprised me when you said you don't count macros because mm-hmm. I know it, a lot of people, especially people who are prepping for a bodybuilding show where you have to look a certain way, I feel like are probably going to structure what they put in their body. How did you come to that conclusion? And you know, just like you said earlier, you said um, not maybe not right now, but you crave certain foods, and mm-hmm. if you're gonna eat how you feel, maybe you're gonna pick the bad foods over the good foods. So how do you how do you go about dieting without counting macros and you know, going feel based, like you said.
1: Uh, say that again about the cheat meals, though. Would you say you would usually choose bad over good?
0: Well, the phrase that you used is, "We don't count macros; we go on how we feel." Yeah. So, if I'm, you know, an average person, you probably want to eat bad foods, you know, mm. "quote unquote" bad foods versus good foods. Um, yeah. Which is how I would be feeling at that certain moment. So, how do you, how do you just eat on how you feel? yeah so i mean if
1: you've ever eaten quality food versus junk food you just know no matter what the macros are like you're going to feel better with real food with the you know with the meats the veggies the raw nuts um stuff like that you're going to feel a hell of a lot better than eating junk food even though the macros fit that's my biggest beef against if it fits your macros is that just because it fits your fucking macros doesn't mean it's good for you you know it doesn't mean it's gonna it's gonna aid in your performance or help you long-term health-wise or 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 putting on muscle and whatnot like that's just, I hate that kind of stuff. Um, it just doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to me. I'm just really big. I'm not a paleo guy, but I'm, I would say I'm closest to like a paleo type person. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm really big on whole foods and whatnot. Uh, but I would say I got that from Corey. You know what I mean? Like a lot of the stuff I do is very similar to what Corey does and he's never counted macros or done anything like that. And I've seen the results he's gotten. He's gotten as shred as you can possibly be. And he didn't count any macros. I'm like, well then it's not necessary. You know what I mean? Like if he's been able to do this and I've seen a ton of other people have crazy success without counting macros, then why would I count macros if I don't have to count macros? You know, like it just seems extremely uh, mind numbing to be counting everything you eat and weighing everything you eat and and, and measuring everything you eat. It just seems nuts. Uh, And uh, the only time I've really ever weighed anything, I was that first cut I did, I would weigh out my raw nuts to make sure I was getting like a serving, serving and a half, whatever I was trying to do. Uh, but yeah, other than that, I've never really, and, and occasionally like, so for example, if I make a big shift in my diet around like a cut, I'll count out my macros for one day, but it's very approximate. I don't weigh anything or measure anything. So it's all extremely approximate and kind of just based, you know what I mean? It's just kind of, I'll go on online and see what the nutrition is of something and, and, uh, and go from there, but I won't weigh out the food to make sure it's exact or anything like that. So I have an idea. I have a very rough idea at all times of where I'm at carb wise and kind of where I'm at calorie wise and in fats and all that good stuff. But it just, like I said, the biggest thing is if you don't have to count macros, why would you? You know, and for general weight loss people, because um, I work with a lot of general weight loss uh, through my coaching, it's not sustainable. I'm all about sustainability and uh, about setting someone up on a, on a plan to where they don't feel like they're dieting and something they could do forever. Uh, because I don't want them to just get results in four or eight weeks or however long they work with me. I need them to be able to get results forever and be able to do this long term. And if they're counting out all their food or they're weighing out all their food, measuring their food, counting their macros and just, you know, I mean, all this shit that just weighs on you mentally, they're not going to be able to stick to that long term. So I just don't think it's sustainable. And for someone that's doing a show, it might be all right. You know what I mean? Like if you want to do that, then cool. Uh, I mean, it might be necessary at the, at the upper echelon of a bodybuilding. Like if you're if you're you know what I mean, battling to be like one of the best like in the world and you're at that level, then it might be necessary. But for everyone else, I don't think it's really necessary.
0: Gotcha. Um, that's pretty cool. Uh, you know not counting out your macros probably relieves a lot of stress for a lot of people yeah, but for sure anyway, um, going down a little bit of a different pathway uh, one of the things I mentioned earlier is that you dropped out of school um, you dropped out of college when you got laid off of muscle farm. How did you choose to make that decision and you know how did it reflect upon you know yourself how did it reflect your friends your parents did did everybody support you? Um, that's a big that's a big decision. How did you make that?
1: So dropping out of school, you said, right? Right. Yeah. So I was still at muscle farm when I dropped out and a lot of people thought I was dropping out because I
0: had this really cushy job at muscle
1: farm to where they thought I'd be there my whole life. And they thought that's kind of why I was dropping out. I was like, fuck no, I'm not dropping out because of muscle farm. Like, I know I'm not going to be there more than a year or two. I just, the reason I dropped out was because I knew I wasn't cut out to be an employee. I knew that long. I mean, I knew that went a long, long time ago when I was young, but I still started going to school for whatever reason. And, uh, School uh, teaches you how to be an employee. That's really what it does. Uh, I know there's entrepreneurship uh, classes and, and majors, but they, they really don't teach you a whole lot, at least to, in my opinion. You know what I mean? Like real life experience and getting out there with a mentor and, and doing your own thing is what's going to teach you what you need to know. Um, so for me, you know what I mean? Like I had I think another two – no, I think I had another three, four years because I, I was working full-time, so I was only going to school you know, part-time. I was taking like 10, 12 credit hours or so. Like eight a couple of semesters and so I still had a lot of time left um, I still had a lot of money I was gonna have to spend and I was like I don't want to be an employee so why would I waste all this time all this money to get a degree that I'm not gonna really necessarily utilize um, so for me it was uh, I kind of pondered the idea for a while I talked to Corey about it for a while and, and uh, I just made the decision one day I was like you know I'm just gonna drop out and um, I told my parents and my mom was like, she was pretty indifferent about it. And my dad was like, that's not a good idea. And I was like, okay, well, I'm not going to argue with you about it. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just going to show you. Like, that's, that's, I'm really big on that because I get people all the time hit me up on Snapchat asking me about what I think they should do and, and how they should convince their parents. And I'm like, we well, don't have to convince anyone. You know what I mean? Like, don't try to convince them. Just tell them you're going to show them through results and, I'm at the point now, you know. What I mean, we have a brand new house, and and I'm paying on my bills, and I'm doing all of this through my own business. So like now, my parents see, you know what I mean, kind of the vision I had, even though I didn't have this vision at that point, I just knew I was gonna do something with my own businesses. At that point, it was kind of I thought I was gonna do real estate, uh, but I knew again I wasn't cut out to be an employee, and I I would never be able to do that. So I made the decision, and then I stuck with it, and uh, and then it was funny because like three or four months later was when I got a cut from Muscle Farm. It's like, well, fuck. But I never, I never thought about going back to school, even after I got cut. Um, it just didn't make sense, you know what I mean? Because I just knew I would never be able to be an employee, a nine, normal 9-to-5 nine employee.
0: Right. So what was the hardest part about starting your own business?
1: Man, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's definitely not easy, and it's definitely a lot different than being... Um, an employee because with it, when you're an employee, you know what I mean? You got to set pay. You know exactly what you're going to make. You know exactly what's going to happen every day. You go in, someone tells you what to do. You don't have to, you don't have to um, be your own boss. You know what I mean? You got someone over your shoulder telling you exactly what to do. And you got timetables and you got to have, you know what I mean? Things done at certain times. And the biggest thing is you got that salary that you know exactly what's coming in each month. So one of the biggest things being self-employed, man, is you never know how much you're going to make each month, you know? So it's like this month right now, I'm, I just had a record month, but I mean, next month, you know what I mean, could be a, my worst month ever, so you really don't know how much you're gonna make, um, so that can be extremely stressful, of course, when you got bills and whatnot, so I'm huge on on not spending a, a lot of money, you know, that's huge, a lot of people live paycheck to paycheck, you can't do that when you're self-employed, um, so I'd say the stress that comes with it about financials is huge, um, just the non-stop being a creative, you know, like my brain never shuts off, which I love, that's why I think I uh, strive at at what I do. You know what I mean. That's why I excel at what I do. But it's like 24/7. You know, what I mean? I'm thinking about my businesses and thinking about what I can do better and what I need to be doing and, and whatnot. And uh, and that kind of be um, it kind of burn you out at a certain point. You know, because it's just nonstop when you when you have a normal job, for the most part, you go home. You know what I mean. and, and, and you don't really think about it a whole lot, depending on the type of job you have, and then you go home on the weekends and you, you have your weekend. I don't have weekends, you know. Like right now, what I'm doing, this isn't necessarily work, but um, the rest of the day, you know what I mean? Like I'll be doing work stuff, and then Sundays are my busiest day work-wise. It's it's all day. I got client calls and writing workouts and whatnot. So I don't have weekends really at all. And and, and but there are a ton of benefits to come from it though. Um, and the freedom that it provides, and I can pick up and go anywhere I want at any time. That's the beauty of an online business. Like I said, I want to travel the world, so. As I continue to grow this, my plan is to, to travel six, eight, nine months out of the year, however much I want to travel. You know what I mean? Like I have a vision board in the background. It says freedom right in the middle. And that that's what being self-employed provides is freedom. I could pick up and go to Italy for six months if I want to. Uh, once I get to that point financially, you know what I mean? Because I got that online business. I can do this anywhere. Uh, so there are a ton of positives and a ton of negatives. But you got to be a certain type of person to be able to do it. You got to be very self-disciplined. That's a huge thing, right? You got to be able to force yourself to do things you don't want to do. Um, because that's going to happen all the time because if you can't force yourself, if you can't be your own boss, then you got to have a boss. There's a quote in a certain book, I'm trying to remember how the quote goes, but basically if you can't master yourself, then someone else will master you. Um, so you, that, that's massive of self-discipline to be self-employed. So lots of positives, lots of negatives. Um, just depends on the type of person you are.
0: Yeah, there seems to be lots and lots of positives and negatives in a lot of industries. Yours just happens to be one that's run by yourself. Um, what is that point financially that you want to reach before you start traveling? Because you, you do seem to be in one spot right now. You know, I think you're in the Columbus area. Is that right?
1: Yeah. 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 So I'm outside of Columbus right now. Uh, man, I'm just trying to, to... Obviously, bills are massive, right? So new house and, and whatnot. Um, but... For me, it's more so just continuing to stash money away for new businesses. I'm trying to start a couple of new businesses. Um, and you never know what opportunity is going to come up. So you got to have cash, you know what I mean, to be able to put towards those. But let's say it's bills. You know, you don't ever want to be in a spot. You don't ever want to be a slave to your payments. My dad told me that recently, and uh, we actually had a podcast on that. But you don't ever want to be at the point, you know what I mean, where you're stressed and having to pay your bills. You always want to have extra cash away because you never know what's going to happen. Your your car gets wrecked. you got to you got to pay a bunch of bills in your car. Something breaks at the house, you know what I mean? You your AC breaks. mine will be covered by a warrant because it's a new house, but, you know what I mean, shit like that always comes up. Um, medical bills, you never know what could come up there, so I'm not gonna put myself in a position where, you know what I mean, uh, things are tight, and uh, and then I gotta stress all the time, because that just, that just builds more and more stress, so it would have to be at a point where I'm extremely, you know what I mean, um, financially free, but, I mean, I travel now, like I said, we're going out to Los Angeles for these shoots, which is a business, but it's also a business trip, but it's also work, uh, or it's, it's also a, a kind of like a, a, a vacation too, I'll be going to New York City soon, um, and a couple other shows probably this year as well. So I'm still traveling, just not quite to Europe yet. Uh, But yeah, I would say bills, and also um, not wanting to be under the gun with bills, but also having the money, having the cash to be able to invest in businesses when they arise.
0: Yeah, I completely agree with everything that you said. Um, My dad always talks about how you... You know, credit and how you can't spend money that you can't ha- that you don't have, which mm-hmm. is which is credit essentially. When you use your credit card, you're spending money that you don't have yet, mm-hmm. or or that you may never have. Depending, a lot of people are buried under credit card debt. Uh, but that's another point. Um, you talked about you know saving money and having money stashed away for you know basically for life. If your air conditioner breaks, if you have a flat tire, if you back into another car, something like that. Um, how do you get that started as a young person? How do you how did you get started saving money, and how are you able to like maybe save a few dollars here, or save a few dollars there?
1: Yeah, so rich dad poor dad. Uh, that was one of the first books I ever read uh, outside of school. That was one of the books Cora recommended. Uh, highly recommend that for anyone that's that's within this age group, or really anyone in general. It talks about paying yourself first before you pay any of your bills, before you pay your taxes, before you buy anything. Uh, take some money off the top that, that can be extremely beneficial for anyone that's having trouble saving money. You know what I mean? They're like, well, I don't have any money to save. Well, start with writing all your expenses down. You know what I mean? Everything you spend money on kind of log it cause you're going to see shit that you don't need to spend money on. And then you can put that towards something else. And I think it's, they usually say like 10 to 15% take off the top and pay yourself. So when I was 18, I started a, a retirement fund, a Roth IRA. I started putting hundred bucks in a month, you know what I mean? Like just starting to, to put that little bit away each month, but also, I don't. I don't necessarily do um, the logs with how much I'm spending. Nor do I take it right off the top. It's more so for me. I'm just really good about not spending money on stupid shit. I don't go out to bars, and you know what I mean. And occasionally, I will with my friends, but very rarely. Um, I don't go out and just buy food at restaurants all the time. I usually buy in bulk at the store. Um, I'm just really good about you know what I mean. Just spending money on shit that I need to spend money on, and, and then the rest I just stash away.
0: What are some really important places that you think people spend money that does not need to be spent
1: uh what age group that
0: depends oh, it doesn't matter all age group let's go with let's go with college age let's go with our age uh
1: I mean definitely uh partying you know what I mean like I think I think partying's huge I think it should you should go out and enjoy yourself as a college student I wish I would enjoy it myself more but I was so busy working full-time Um, uh, but yeah definitely the the partying uh going on and get and getting uh food all the time you know what I mean like you can save a lot of money buying your own food um Man, there's just so much shit that people waste money on clothes, shoes. Um, like, it, there's a big difference between needing something and wanting something. You know, like uh, if if you're trying to save money, then only get things that you need. And it's pretty easy to decide or to decipher between what you need and what you want.
0: Right. Um, you mentioned you know started starting your kind of business journey in real estate. Um, were you a real estate agent or how did that work? <clears throat>
1: Yeah. Yeah. I was a real estate agent. I just, after I got laid off from muscle farm, um, I got a severance package. So I got paid for like six weeks after we got fired or laid off quote unquote. Um, and, uh, yeah. So we got a severance package paid six weeks, like I said, for not working at all, which was dope. So I got a ton of money for that. Um, and also I was able to go on unemployment. So I was like, all right, well, this is the perfect opportunity to go take real estate classes. So I got enrolled in that. It was like a two week, um, uh, class where it was like eight to five thirty PM Monday through Thursday, which sucked. It was so boring. And, uh, I was able to knock that out though, while getting, uh, all the severance. And I think I was getting unemployed, unemployment at the same time too, which was pretty good money. It was half of what I was getting paid at muscle farm. So I still had money coming in while I had a ton of money in the bank too, um, uh, from working, you know what I mean? Full time salary job benefits as a college student. So I already had money put away before I got laid off and then all of the severance and unemployment. Um, so yeah, I went and did the real estate stuff, got the classes done and I knew that my parents were about to sell their house. They had a pretty, pretty nice house um, for a pretty expensive price. So right as, as soon as I got out of real estate classes and I got my, uh, my license, I was able to list their house you know and I mean and get paid uh, pretty big time for that. Cause you get about two and a half percent of the, the sale cost, uh, which for you know I me mean, three, Hundred plus thousand dollar house, you get a lot of money for. Um, and then, uh, yeah, like I said, I sold that one. I sold it at another house. It was a little cheaper, like hundred something thousand dollar house. And then at that point was when I stumbled upon uh, that quote, which put me pushed me
0: into the fitness stuff. Gotcha. Do you plan to stay in real estate investing at all?
1: Yeah. So where I'm sitting at right now, I'm sitting on a pretty golden egg in my house. Um, like I said earlier, my dad's a builder. He owns his own custom home building company. So, he built this house for me at cost. Um, and with new build houses, if you live in it for two years, you can sell it and your profits are tax free. Whereas, if I would try to sell it six months after I moved in, I'd pay capital gains taxes, which is like, I think, 20 something percent. So, let's say I sell this house for $270,000. What's 10 or 15 percent, you know what I mean, of, of that? That's a lot of money. So, I'd be right out of my profits. So, uh, next summer, I'll be able to sell. That'll be two years. The profits will be tax-free. I want to, to pay 0% taxes, and It'll be cash money, um, the built-in profits with my dad. The market's extremely hot, and it's, it's continuing to get hotter, so I should make a ton of money on this house. And then what I'll do is, um, and I'll put. it'll be more delayed gratification, but I'll take the, the profits from this house, and then I'll put it into my next real estate investment, which will probably be a duplex in Columbus, because I live, where I'm at right now is out in the boonies. It's about... minutes from Columbus and about 30 minutes from really any kind of civilization uh, any kind of Starbucks or anything like that So uh, what I'll do is I'll probably buy a duplex near downtown in in one of the suburbs of downtown in a really nice area Um, I will uh, rent out one side. Let's say my mortgage is $2,000. I rent out one side for twelve thirteen hundred dollars On my side, I'll have two or three bedrooms So if I want to bring in a roommate I can get a roommate for say 500 bucks a month so um, or probably even more six seven hundred and then I'll actually be living there for free while actually making money potentially while living there. And then, um, and then if I decide a year or two down the road, because I want to move out of Ohio at some point too, so a year or two down the road, if I decide to move somewhere, I rent out both sides. I'm cash flowing five, six hundred dollars a month while building up the equity in it. And then at some point, you know what I mean, the mortgage on it will be paid off to where it's I'm making, you know what I mean, two thousand something dollars a month maybe with pure cash flow and. uh I'll probably continue to to build up uh, duplexes over time and uh, multi-units because I definitely want to have a lot of passive income through real estate. So this is where I'm at right now. The house I'm in right now is like my Kickstarter for all my real estate investing.
0: Yeah. I just thought of a ton of questions to ask you (laughs) while you were talking throughout that. But I think the biggest one is how do you, you know, it seems like you kind of got like Pushed into like a really good Kickstarter, like you said, like the house. Oh yeah, not everyone has the
1: opportunity to have their dad be a builder.
0: Right. So, you know, for a for someone like me, how would I start to get involved in like real estate investment if I don't have the opportunity that you had?
1: Yeah, you're gonna have to figure out a way to do it without
0: having uh having cash. All right. Anyway, my my next question is about you seem to even though you dropped out of school, you seem to know a ton about personal finance. Um, and financing. You're even using kind of some words that I don't know. You're using some languages. Again, I'm a science major in school, so I've kind of avoided the whole business and finance route. Um, did you did you learn that all your on your own, or did somebody help you with that?
1: I would say uh,
0: mainly just working with
1: Corey. Uh, I mean, he's such a high-level businessman. He's working on you know, like a third million-dollar business. Um, plus, books he's led me on to as well. Uh, a lot of books like Think and Grow Rich, like I mentioned earlier, that was massively beneficial for me. Um, let's see, uh, like Think and Grow Rich, um, Andrew Carnegie books, just a lot of different books, a lot of different personal development books I've learned a ton from. Uh, listening to guys like Tim Ferriss, a lot of podcasting. Podcasts have totally changed the game for me. Uh, all of those different things uh, I've learned a ton from. I didn't really learn any of that. I, I took a couple economics classes in school, but I really didn't pay attention in school. <laughs>
0: Right. So it sounds like being around the right mentor is is pretty valuable.
1: And podcasts, man, because you got mentors you never meet before um, or ever. Your mentors could be dead through books and through online videos and whatnot.
0: Right. Yeah. Definitely. I agree with that. Um, You seem to be revolving around the topic of like multiple streams of income in your future. Is that in your future plans? And how many do you plan on having? As many as I can potentially
1: uh, gather and build. Yeah, that's the. If you listen to really extremely high level financial, uh, financially successful people and and businessmen, they all talk about multiple streams of income, not putting your eggs in one basket. Um, That's the way to to make a shitload of money is different streams of income, but also to kind of cover your bases too. You know what I mean? Because you never know what could happen with one of them. So it's really just all about uh, covering your bases, but also being able to make a ton of money through the multiple streams of income. The more streams of income you have, you know what I mean, the more money you're gonna make. And the, the the I mean the goal is to get them all to the point where you don't actually have to be there. You know what I mean? You got to have an extra strategy of where you don't need to be there every single day. That's a uh, small business versus big business. You know, like small businesses, you got to be there the whole time and you got to be doing everything. But with larger business, and Rich Dad I talks about that, um, you're able to, you know what I mean, hire people and they do everything and then you just have that passive income like we talked about with real estate.
0: Right. So from where you're sitting right now uh, in your future, how many streams of income can you see on the horizon and what are they?
1: Like the next, like what, five years, two years?
0: Sure, five to ten years even.
1: Um, obviously, the, the one-on-one business um, will definitely be one of my biggest ones. Um, I'm working on building a clothing line. I'm hoping that got pushed back a little bit because some issues with uh, my partner's wife, health issues. But uh, the clothing line for sure because as you build a brand on social media, you are able to, to, to build things like clothing brands. Because you know I mean? there's people that follow you. Um, they, they want to buy stuff from you cause you give so much to them. Plus if it's a quality line, which we're going to do it, you know what I mean? Uh, that most, um, so the clothing line for sure, working on a, potentially a, a new business here soon, um, a wellness business for, um, where you basically we'd go in and work with corporations, wellness programs and whatnot, where the corporation would pay. So that would be, um, uh, potentially three right there. The real estate, um, as I build up my portfolio would be four. And then, like I said, man, you just never know. When you when you have the right connections and and, and you have the right friends and you surround yourself with the right people, you never know what kind of business opportunity is going to come up. So it's impossible for me to uh, you know I me mean, to forecast what's going what's going to be um, on my plate here in the next even the next six months, twelve months, two, three, four, five, ten years. It's literally impossible because if you know I me, mean, something comes up and, and it's a good idea and, and I want to be a part of it, then I'm going to go forth with it if I have the time. So. Yeah, it's the, that's, that's one of the important things about surrounding yourself with like-minded people, you know, and, and, and having connections because business opportunities will always rise. You just got to be prepared for them.
0: Right. It sounds
1: uh, – so I'd like to have fucking like, you know, like seven, eight, eight streams income here in the next ten years. That would be ideal.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree with though getting yourself around like-minded people, especially in your case because connections in business are pretty everything, are everything really. Yeah. Um, you also on your social media you talk about Buddhism and mindfulness, um, and living in the moment. How does that How does that play a role in your life? It's I mean it's everything. It
1: plays a role in everyone's life. Uh, it's kind of a way to because a lot of people don't even know what mindfulness is and living in the moment. Uh, I, I kind of describe it this way, right? So often we'll be driving. Let's say it's a 30-minute drive. You go that whole 30 minutes. You don't even you, you forgot that you were even driving. You even, Like you, you you get to the place you were you were going to, and you're like, where? Do, how did I even get here? You know what I Because mean? you're so trapped in your thoughts, you're constantly there's voices in your head at all times back and forth there's chatter non-stop you're thinking about this thinking about that you're 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 procrastinating on something or your brain's telling you to do this and it's not telling you to do that or whatever it's really hard to describe but there's always chatter in your head and you're always with thoughts and you're missing the beauty of life which is right in front of you you know like when you truly live in the present moment everything is, is beautiful and it just blows your mind like i got these sunflowers out in front of my window in my office and when you're in the present moment, you're truly just here. You know what I mean? Looking at that, and it's like, holy shit, like this is crazy. Like, you realize how crazy life is. Like, we're in this, we're trapped in this weird, you know what I mean, globe that has this atmosphere that outside of that atmosphere is an infinity of darkness and, and space that goes on forever to our knowledge. We really don't know, you know what I mean, what's out there. And it's it's, it's absolutely insane. But when you get trapped in your thoughts and, and you, you start to blow things out of proportion, you know, like this little thing that this guy said to me, you can fester over that for a whole fucking day and you forget that how lucky you are to be living here you know they, it just it just keeps you based and it keeps you uh very uh gracious and uh it just makes life a lot more beautiful but it's extremely difficult um, it's it's a constant practice you know because it's just so easy and it's just kind of our our natural state to be in our thoughts and trapped in our thoughts so the best way i could put it man is just to check out a book called the untethered soul and then also um the power of now
0: those that, books were really sam kind harris.
1: of was that
0: is that sam harris the untethered soul
1: no, Sam Harris – I'm reading a book by Sam Harris right now. It's called um, Waking Up. He's big on all this stuff as well, of course. But um, yeah, The Untethered Soul is was massively beneficial for me. And it's something I'll, I'll go back to multiple times because, like I said, the, the longer it goes without – since I read it or since I listened to it, you know what I mean? The, the further away I get from those ideas. Meditation is the same ideas. It's being present and kind of uh, not shutting off your thoughts but um, stepping back a layer and realizing that you aren't your thoughts because a lot, of, a lot of the time we, we associate ourselves with our thoughts, like we think we are our thoughts, but that's not actually true um, according you know what I mean, to these, to these uh, practices. It's more so that, that we are the observer. That's the idea of meditation Buddhism. We are the observer. The thoughts are an object just like this computer in front of me is an object. And it's a very liberating idea too you know what I mean? because if you have anxiety or something like that, it, it, um, it allows you to, to realize that those thoughts aren't actually you. You can step back and kind of observe them. And uh, there, I mean, there's so many benefits to, to these ideas and these practices, but man, it's, it's so difficult. It's, it's, it's a constant uh, progression and something you got to work on every single day. And man, I'll catch myself going days and weeks, you know I mean, without living in the present moment, really, and just constantly trapped in my thoughts and being someone that, that never really stops thinking like myself, being an anxious person, that's usually what anxiety is, is just constant thoughts, uh, worst case scenario type thoughts and just everything in general. Um, it can be extremely beneficial, you know what I mean, it gives you peace of mind, like, there's, I'm, I've never been as happy as when I'm truly able to, to live in the moment for extended periods of time, it's, it's crazy.
0: Yeah, I took a Buddhism class my senior year in high school, and, you know, it stuck with me, I, I don't practice, per se, mindfulness, mindfulness, or, you know, meditation, or anything like that, but, you know it's it's 4 years out since that class and I still think about a lot of the values and I ended up you know I've read different books and you know posts and articles blogs whatever about mindfulness podcasts um, things like that and it's something that even if you don't know about it it ends up popping up in your life like you you end oh, it applies up in,
1: to everyone's life like I said everyone's got that chatter in their head and that right. constant being stuck in your head that's this is a good way to put it too all unhappiness comes from either the past or the present. You know, there's never unhappiness in this present moment. You and I sitting here on this podcast talking back and forth, there's literally nothing for us to worry about. You know what I mean? any kind of financial worries. They aren't happening right now. Uh, you know what I mean? Literally everything across the board that's causing unhappiness is not in the present moment. So if you can really figure out how to live in that present moment as much as possible, you're gonna be much more happy because when you think about it, next time you're unhappy and you're depressed or you're real upset, kind of watch your thoughts you're going to realize it's because something happened earlier in the day or something happened yesterday or something that's coming up later in the day that you're stressing about it's never in the present moment that's the most beneficial part of it is that it just brings so much happiness and and, and pushes away so much unhappiness
0: so do you think you should like be happy while you can so you said you you're looking ahead if you're stressing about something in the future it's it's in the future so you should we well, just I, I
1: think you should attack things as they come you know what i mean like yeah, there, there's definitely, I mean, it's all a balancing act. I'm huge on having a vision and, and, and thinking about things that are going to come up down the road, but I mean, a lot of the time we, we come up with all these ideas in our head and, and all these worst case scenarios that never actually play out, you know, so we spend 99% of our time worrying about things that aren't ever actually going to happen. Um, so I think yeah, it's really important to just take things as they come and figure things out as they are put on your plate.
0: Yeah, that seems to be what mindfulness is all about. All right, well, we're getting towards the end of the podcast, and I have one last question that I have probably asked my guests since um, maybe episode three. Um, Again, like I explained to you earlier, it's a a question that I derived from Lewis Howes, um, and it's it's titled The Three Truths. It's a scenario question, um, and the scenario is that you're on your deathbed. Um, It's your last day of life. You're surrounded by your friends and family and whoever else you want to be there. Um, Your legacy that you have left behind until this point has completely been erased. Any posts, any videos, any books, um, any articles that you've ever played a part in or written directly are gone. Um, And a friend or family member comes up to you and hands you a piece of paper and a pen and says, Jay, um, this piece of paper is going to hold your legacy from here on out. Um, write down three things that you know to be true. Um, What are those things for you?
1: Yeah, be yourself. Uh, Being authentic is always going to get you a lot further, you know what I mean, than than putting on a facade and trying to be something you're not. Um, I would say discomfort equals growth. I actually was looking at my vision board because I have these things on the left side of the board, and one of them says discomfort equals growth. So know that, those uncomfortable situations you're actually going to grow from. Um, I think it's really important to put yourself in uncomfortable situations and do things you don't necessarily want to do, uh, because you're going to grow a lot from that. And, um, uh, hard work is irreplaceable, you know, like, yeah, there are, it's really important to come up with systems and, and do things better and, and be able to do things faster and more efficiently. But at the end of the day, I mean, Gary, we talks about it all the time. It's, it's literally impossible to replace hard work. So at the end of the day, hard work is one of the most important, uh, things you can do. And, and, uh, and, and it's totally irreplaceable.
0: Right. Well, those, are, those are three <laughs> definitely <laughs> extremely valuable things. You're definitely the fastest person to come up with those, hands down. <laughs> uh, just to re- reiterate, be yourself, hard work, and what was your other one? Um, what, oh, yeah. Uh,
1: discomfort equals um, growth. Awesome. Because a lot of people, man, they're afraid of, of discomfort. You know what I mean? Like, it sucks in the moment. Like, it's not fun to be uncomfortable. But if you can realize that on the other side of that that um, that road, you know what I mean, there's going to be a pot of gold. You're going to you're gonna grow from it. Then it's a lot yeah. easier to get through it.
0: Yeah. One of my favorite people who I, I read a couple of books and I listened to his podcast. Um, his name is Jocko Willink. Have you ever heard yeah, of Yeah, someone just texted me about Jocko Willink because I told him to read something about him, actually, while yeah. we were talking on this podcast. His, his thing, yeah, absolutely. His thing is discipline equals freedom, which is... Discomfort yeah, equals growth, essentially. Kinda. Same yeah. thing. Um, anyway, check him out. I don't know how deep you've gone into his stuff, but he's pretty cool. Yeah, um, yeah I've
1: listened to his podcast, uh, and I read his book, Extreme Ownership. He's a cool dude.
0: Yeah, awesome. Um, all right, so to end things, I, I want to acknowledge you for um, a bunch of stuff, really, but I'm only going to pick you know three things because i got to keep it short. Um, I want to acknowledge you for being an extremely hardworking person. You're really motivational. Really inspiring. Just the drive and the, the clear vision that you have is something that drives me to find my own. Drives me to find my own vision. I hope also people derive that from you as well. Um, the next thing is you you do live presently, like you said. The example with the sunflowers outside your window is um, seemingly incredible, tri- incredibly trivial, but really it's a big thing. The little things are big things, um, and you do take advantage of the moment. Um, and for being, the last thing, for being so young, you, you tend to have a lot of wisdom. You're pretty wise. You seem to be old beyond your years, but um, but you're humble. You have a sense of humility that I really admire, and you understand that you know a lot, but you still have so much left to learn.
1: Yeah, my mom always said I was uh, I was a grown man in a little boy's body when I was growing up, so it's, it's something I've always had, which is, I mean, obviously beneficial, but yeah, man, I appreciate everything, um, and uh, I just want to say keep doing the podcast, man, because I obviously didn't know expect I hadn't heard any of the previous shows. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I like the structure. You know what I mean? The way it's set up. Um, it really. Uh, I feel like it allows you to uh, to pull, extract a lot of information from people that can be extremely beneficial to listeners. So just keep doing it. You know what I mean? It may take forever to, to grow it, and it's gonna take a while, but it, it's got a ton of potential.
0: Thank you, thank you. I I don't know how long I plan on doing it. I, I know I'm going into my my senior year of college, so it's probably gonna be shut down for that period of time just because I'll be busy with a lot of other things. I play college baseball as well. So, yeah. I got a lot on my plate and to do this every week is something that I'm not sure I can handle especially at the the quality that the yeah, the level of quality that I would like. Mm-hmm. Um, but thank you. It means a lot. It's been awesome to have you on the show. Um, do you want to throw out any any Twitter handles, Snapchat, Instagram where they can find you, where they can look up your stuff because you mentioned you know, a few little things, like you mentioned a book here or something about Corey here or something financial here that you may not derive the total value out of it unless they find you on, on social media or they find a, a blog post that you've written. Um, yeah. Yeah, so can you throw those out real quick?
1: For sure. Um, yes, I'm always on social media. That's what drives my business. Um, so hit me up on literally all platforms, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, Instagram. They're all J-A-Y underscore Azeltine, A-Z-E-L-T-I-N-E.
0: Awesome. Thank you. Um, And anybody out there can follow me, Twitter, uh, Instagram, at Prob 33 And once again, Jay, thanks for coming on. Really awesome to have you on here. Um, And to all my listeners out there, I'll leave you with what I always leave you with. As always, trust your process.